It's good to be here again with you, Kerry. Likewise, bro. Likewise. It's been a while. It's weeks. been a while, man. Yeah. How many? Two weeks, right? Yeah, two, two, three weeks, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Where have I been? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, that's a question you should ask me. Yeah, where have you been? You can tell me, where have you been? I've been in Turkey, man. Nice, very nice. Back visiting family, right? That's right, that's right. Long time to see, true. Oh, man. Yes, uh, I met up with my my dad and mom, went there in June. Okay, they've been... They've been there for a while. Wow, yeah. And then my big brother went and met up also with DR and DR's girlfriend. And then it was up to me and Kaylee to take the flight and go there and meet up with them, man. You got there, what, like the first week of July, I think. Exactly. We left July 7th. So we haven't been launching two episodes during that time. Yeah. We haven't. And I missed it, to be honest. Of course. I missed it. But to be with my family again, that was very special. Of course. I mean, dude, I was really thrown in at it, though. Like, I was through. <laughs> yeah, there was like... Welcome here, you know. Um, the first day in Istanbul, we went out with my friend and we came to a birthday party. So everybody knew each other. Everybody already kind of drunk. Uh-huh. So we kind of got into it. Amazing food. And, uh, you know, we got really the taste of what and how Turks kind of socialize in the, in the evenings, you know. Mm. And the way they do it, Kaylee described in a good way, it was like a very delicious food plate came to the table, but people didn't really react to it. They kept going with the conversation, you know? The food is not really... Here it will be like, you look at the food, oh, this looks delicious. Mm -hmm. But there you kind of kept with the conversation, right? Um, A lot of singing, a lot of uh, jokes. Very... Jovial. Yeah, very. 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 <laughs> yeah, something similar to joyful. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, I nailed it. And then basically we um, went to the wedding, my cousin's wedding. And it was amazing to see all the relatives, basically from my mom's side. And last time I went to Turkey was 2010. And um, it's been like seven years. Mm. You know, I have cousins that were small back then that have kids. Mm. And uh, it was a really cool experience to yeah. see them, you know, and, and everyone again. And then, uh, of course, we had one week's vacation at the beach. Sun, good food, backgammon, and <laughs> playing some soccer with DR. That was nice, man. What you been up to? Man, you know me, just... My vacations are just sitting around doing absolutely nothing, and I love it. My, uh, so I don't. People may say that's oh, so sad. I feel sorry for you. No, no, I love it. It's how I prefer it. But uh, I had some friends from. I just finished up college, back for the summer. Yeah. Uh, some of them leaving. You met them. Well, once you came back in before you. Joyous guys. Yeah, very <laughs> pretty rowdy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, we got some time to hang out a couple of them have now just left moving up moving out of the state okay pretty much indefinitely really so, yeah they yeah. got permanent jobs yep jobs uh out in california wow out in cambodia so wow, everyone's cambodia, moving huh? yeah man way over there <laughs> oh, wow that's uh that's a new chapter for him everyone everyone's 
even those that are staying here have their jobs everyone's moving on to the next yeah. chapter of life so with this summer was like a a last not last i'm sure we'll find time to I, do it again. yeah i know what you get together and have fun again yeah. but this is like you know last last hurrah <laughs> the last part of the wolf pack together exactly. a little bit exactly. yeah 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 uh but it's been great it's been great awesome man but now we've got uh stuff coming up again i've got school coming up again we've got when does some... your school start again i think it's uh august 21st i think okay. that's the first day of class so we still have like three weeks left yeah yeah so and school. we have we are coming up with a new chapter too that's right with the podcast with the podcast well, what are the good news uh what of the podcast yeah oh we're moving into a studio we are like we're moving into a studio and now we will get the chance to be among professional producers yeah. and professional musicians and uh, Basically, we will be able to record with professional quality and get this knowledge and just try to develop ourselves with more time and experience. Right. That's right. So that's exciting stuff that we can't wait Definitely. for. More soccer coming up. I haven't been, I've been playing every a couple times a week yeah. still. Uh, you haven't been playing so I much haven't the played, past man. few weeks. No, but man. That's going to be kicking up again, including coaching, man. DDY. Got, we just finished our first coaches meeting of the season. Yes. Uh got some plans already we've just finished our first training session yeah so so we've got some plans coming up for that i mean we have 15 new players for this season and majority of them or maybe even all of them are very in a beginning level then we also have 15 players from last season that can i just say that uh yeah these uh all the players after the first training session, we saw them like during tryouts in the beginning yeah. of the summer and such. Uh, some of them we've seen every now and then during the summer, but they all, even the new players, they look excited to work with them. They look like they're ready to play, eager yeah. to play. They can play, and our returning players from last season see how much they've improved. It's definitely it's excellent. Can't wait to work with them. All the new stuff that they can take them to. There is something that happens over the summer. Yeah, I guess so. You know, there's always something. I mean, sometimes it's like you think it'd be a negative sort of thing, like maybe gaining weight or something, <laughs> or just lack of fitness because you just choose to relax and you don't play as yeah. much or something. But who was it? Hatem Ben Arfa that came back fat one year <laughs> when he played at Newcastle. I mean, Iguain past season. Yeah, that's so true. Been, but our girls, they look ready to go, and we are very excited to start this new season. We have planned the schedule. With training sessions and uh, the, the first training session from that I was a part of, you remember that back in the day <laughs> of like February or something. Well, when like uh, you invited me out to uh, see them, and I don't see at the right. time. Yeah, at the time, yeah. I, I don't think I even fully committed yet. Yeah, you, I had to. I had like to kind of convince it. you to come <laughs> in, right? No. Yeah, I remember your first practice, man. Yeah, there was like only like eight of them or so. But it was it, it was, was a nice quality practice. It was an extra practice that we had, and uh, and you came into the middle of the practice to introduce yourself, and that you're planning to be a coach also, mm. and um, something happened right when you came. Do you remember what happened? Yeah, I remember. You guys were in the middle of a drill. Yeah. A nice drill. Uh, yeah, after a few minutes, one of the girls just wasn't so... She seemed out of it. She out of it, yeah. like dazed or wasn't... I, 
it's not too responsive in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I pointed at her first and kind of told you how her playing style is. She's very secure with the ball, very safe with the ball and has good passings. So we did a passing drill and I think I was talking to you at the time and I saw a pass going to her, but she didn't even, you know, she missed the ball. Like, like she missed the ball, but mm. she didn't even try to get the ball. You know, like sometimes you can miss the ball and it may bounce over your foot or you, you know, something happens, but she didn't even try to touch it. I realized there was something up with her then, you know, and uh, um, I kind of went to her and looked at her and she just looked like up in the sky and was kind of like going back and forth. And uh, I said, you know, I told her name. Are you okay? She didn't say anything. Are you okay? She didn't say anything. And as, as I approached her, she uh, basically kind of fell, fell on me, right? Yeah. I had to grab her. And uh, that was scary. Yeah. yeah. That was scary because I know now, I know them for a while now. And that was obviously you first. But I know them for a while now. So when she kind of fell into my lap and I put the, her on the ground for like like 10, 15 seconds maybe, I got so afraid. Like I got, so, I don't, it's like even hard to say, but like I got so afraid that something happened to her because she collapsed and I thought it was something very serious right there. And I'm along with eight, eight, you know, we're there with eight kids and uh, what am I going to do now? So the fear of that moment just rose up so fast and I was like kind of shaky. So I yelled to one of the parents and then we carried her out to the shadow. Yeah. It's a shadow. And I remember, you know, like uh, from very early on at school, they taught us like if someone passes out, try to keep the back straight on the ground and then try to get 90 degrees on the legs and we gave her some water and uh, i should call her parents and she started to get more responsive with the time yeah um but man that that fear that came into me was like i don't even want to ever man experience it you know i mean you went off you you took her and went off to the shade yeah got her looked at with the parents and such i was left with the rest of them (laughs) yeah so i'm thinking i didn't see honestly i didn't see it happen i just saw you go off to her and then take her out yeah uh i i was like okay something's up all the other kids around me are they're wondering what's up and they're yeah. they're concerned of course exactly but you have to you know try and keep their mind away from it as best as possible yeah so i tried that was kind of tough i don't think i did very well i tried you know let's get back to the drill get back <laughs> yeah. to she's fine she just needs the, water they're like who it's are like, you right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's it made me realize how hard it is to you know very deal with these circumstances yeah right? and be rational come up with like be calm you know yeah and i, I kind of said like no, it's not, you know, don't think about it. Do do what you like, kind of taught or what you can do right now. And uh, um, eventually when her parents came, we understood that she has been sick for a while. And um, that said, she hasn't been drinking that much water. Right. And because of the 
heat she was dehydrated and when that happens it's easy to kind of your head spins you get you know dizzy and almost pass out but that was a very interesting start for you man <laughs> you know that's right today we start again welcome to the fifth pre-season episode of the Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. on Twitter this um, awful news this summer when I was in Turkey and a tragedy that happened for this midfield that plays for Ajax 20 years old really good talented player and he's was he was also in the squad in the Europa League final in Stockholm this year his name is Abdelhak Nouri and uh, on the field all of a sudden he collapsed and when you look at the video he basically kind of just sits down and it takes a little bit while before um, they take him off the field. The news are not good. The news are not good. And uh, Van de Saar is the Ajax director and he came out with that, that this is the worst possible message. It's terrible. And says that Abdelhak was such a great talent and unfortunately we never know how far his star would have risen. I mean, he played 15 games last season. Part of the squad for the Europa League final, like you said, too. Yeah. And what... what The diagnosis here, man. Can you read what this newspaper says? The, it says the, from the Star Tribune, uh, the diagnosis came two days after tests indicated that Nuri's heart was undamaged while a CT scan of his brain and initial neurological tests showed no irregularities either. Doctors were cautiously optimistic about his recovery, I said at the time. So this is like two days after. What What is this message? Does they say that his heart, that they couldn't find any problem with his heart? Right. And there were no neurological, any problems with he, his brain either at the moment. Yeah, at the no, moment. Nothing, no initial neurological problems. So, uh, and like nothing with the heart. So they thought this would... Well, they had to be careful. They could, they could uh, feel hope for for his recovery. And uh, the horrible news is that uh, he's brain damaged, and I would assume it's because the brain didn't get oxygen mm-hmm. while he collapsed. And the recovery chances of these crucial brain functions are nil. And um, the entire football family is in sorrow and very sad about this and it was tough to read this at the at the hotel you know it was really like 
kind of got me like man it's it's As such once it sucks once it happens to anyone yeah but with this promising young player he's plenty of games under his belt during the season for an ix team that played very well last season and was yeah. looking up that it sucks for for to hear this happen at this time yeah. and for his family to receive his tragedy while they were in the camp in austria and um do you remember the first time something big tragedy happened on the pitch like i remember it so well yeah i remember it so well because i i called that time era one of my prime times of really getting in love with football like really fending in love following everything watching reading and obviously playing all the time and um, do you know which which one i'm talking about yeah i mean i assume so i mean it was such big news yeah. such tragedy because it happened on such a big stage too yeah uh in 2003 the confederations cup in france during the semi-final and cameroonian midfielder mark vivian foy yeah who was you know on his peak at the, at the time i yeah. believe who uh played in big leagues in england and france played in Lyon, right uh who would dominate french french football uh and was an instrumental leader for cameroon just i i know he he i i didn't see it myself but i've obviously heard plenty of stories but how he just collapsed i think shortly before halftime or something in the game uh, exactly, just, right, just out of nowhere. I mean, I watched the game live, so oh, not on wow. the spot. Like I watched the game on TV, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the and uh, what I remember was that uh, they kind of zoomed him in. Like when someone gets injured on the field, sometimes they zoom it in, and in this case, they zoomed it in, and they a uh, text came out, Mark Vivian for it, and you could see that he was grasping for air. Like he was trying to get air, and uh, there was one TV picture that I don't forget, and it was like when they looked at his um, corded basically his face, and his eyeballs were just white, mm. and it was very scary to watch that, and it was a little bit confusion because the players on the field didn't really understand the severeness in this. They didn't. Time, yeah. yeah, I mean, this was unimaginable, man. Never anything like it really happened. This is live on TV. Let's hear that how that incident was reported back then. First, the African nation of Cameroon is in national mourning following the sudden death of one of its most celebrated and popular players. Mark Vivian Foe collapsed and died for no apparent reason during this morning's Confederations Cup semi-final against Colombia. The tragedy has stunned the football world. Foe met his death in the game that brought him fame and honor. And a warning, some viewers may find scenes in this report distressing. Cameroon's Confederation Cup match was 15 minutes from the end when tragedy struck. Alone on the Stade Jolant pitch, Foe suddenly fell to the ground. He was in obvious difficulty and never recovered. He was carried from the field on a stretcher and treated by medical staff for almost an hour in an attempt to resuscitate his heart. But when news of Foe's death was officially announced minutes after the match, 
players from both sides wept in disbelief. And since this was in a big scene, man, like you said before, it had such a big effect worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. You know, like now questions among players' health, medical um, research around heart failures, and the importance of uh, uh, players being fit, or even that check needs to be happen. Mm. We're on the scene. There's always something like that that happens, you know. I remember. Uh, it's unfortunate, there always has to be a first exactly before people get things right. And I don't know what the conditions were, the medical conditions were like at the time compared to how they are now. Yeah, it was a big tournament, so generally for those, you know, uh, tournaments with a lot of coverage with with more prestige, you do get the best. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, even though maybe some there's still questions that that were asked exactly and uh, this next clip is uh, from Cameron's goalkeeper back then he was young then man yeah he was young and uh, Kameni ah uh, yeah Idris Kameni yes I good mean, goalkeeper very good goalkeeper yeah. I mean I remember him from being a good goalie at Espanol but yeah, he has been in other clubs too right yeah yeah yeah. He's been in France, and now he's Fenerbahce's goalie. Mm. And Kamini is talking about when this happened and what he basically fought during this incident. We carried on playing. We thought it was some sort of fatigue that caused his collapse. That he would come back later and be okay. I mean, like he said, um, they thought it was fatigue or some type of tiredness that he went down on the pitch. But I remember the second semifinal because that was the big game for us. That was the game that we wanted to watch. Uh, Turkey against France. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, not me and you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Turkey against France. And uh, I don't really remember now who the goalkeeper was for France. I remember it was not Barthez. But he was a good friend with Foye at uh, Lyon, and he was crying, man. And Andre was crying, and um, it definitely was a uh, emotional game for them. Uh, France won, and I remember when Andre scored his first goal, the entire France squad got together, and they all pointed their fingers up to the, mm. uh, the sky. Uh, I don't know who that keeper was. No, man. I guess I got that over you then, don't I? But do you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was uh, Gregory Coupe. Leon goalkeeper for a long time. Long time. Ah. He would have been he would have been teammates with Foe at the time as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a good goalkeeper. Good name. That's right. That's right. I remember. Quiz you on that. Oh, man. <laughs> now I know though. Yeah. Now I know. Class act from Henri must be said, Henri and the entire French team for sure. in that semifinal after he scored the goal and they all celebrated together and uh, respected Mark Vivian Foe. And then again in the final, once Henri scored, I know that he he dedicated his goal to Foe. And normally you'd think once you're in, get to you get yourself into a final or a semifinal of a major tournament and you score a goal, then you're thrilled you're overjoyed and 
you just sort of lose it. You do whatever you want. You just scored a goal in the final or something. So you get to, yeah. you, you can, you have free license to celebrate. go crazy. Celebrate. Yeah. 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 Uh, but really class and really mindful of Henri, of France, of all, all everyone that did it to, to instead of really celebrating, to yeah. really just pay respect to Foy. And I think that reminds me of 2010, Spain mm. in the final for the mm. first time. Iniesta scores deep into extra time, yeah. right? Iniesta scores, brings Spain at the peak of their powers, their first ever World Cup. You think he would lose it, and you tell he was happy, but you still he had the presence of mind to prepare the shirt he had underneath, oh, right? Yeah. Remember it? Yeah. Uh, to his friend Danny Yarke, uh, saying, Danny Yarke, uh, siempre con nosotros, means like always with us. And uh, uh, to show respects to, to his friend that oh, man. affected so many of that Spanish team. He was playing for Espanol. That's right. And they, they found him at that at the hotel room. Yeah. Uh, but, man, Iniesta, dude, with that goal, and it was more Spanish players that uh, honored, tributed, celebrated together. It was almost like uh, because for us they don't know spanish we were like what did it say but you're right he prepared all of that and yeah. you know uh he's always with them and almost like he that gave him you know that i might think he motivation was, almost uh, almost yeah to, to, a little bit of extra drive to and this even this was a world cup final in 2010 Harke passed away in 2009 yeah but still still just a great moment for all of Spain. You had to pay respect to to Harke. A big class act from him too, man. Absolutely. And I remember, actually, two thousand seven. Mm. Um, this was also on TV, and um, I think his name was Puerta. Mm. Even captain, I believe. Maybe he wasn't captain, but he was a player for Sevilla, and uh, in this game. He collapsed right next to the goal, and one of his teammates, like really crazy, went to him to his head, and you can see on the pictures where he trying to he puts his finger in his mouth and trying helping him to not swallow his right, tongue. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's like one of the first things uh, you need to do and check because your body is so relaxed and it's so easy that you can swallow your tongue and basically suffocate yourself and you see the drama really on the tv pictures and uh, in this case his teammate helps him to not swallow his tongue basically mm. and you can see puerta walking off this pitch he's walking off the pitch and w when you watch the game that's kind of it you know but apparently on the way to the hospital or at the hospital he passed away and got another cardiac arrest. Another tragedy, man. Yeah, another yeah. tragedy, like right there on the pitch, dude. Yeah, and I bet it's hard to for teammates to really register what's going on. I mean, uh, Kamini just said that they didn't think too much of it. They thought maybe it was just he was exhausted or yeah. something like that. Um, and once you're even in the heat of the game and the field it's a big pitch right and there's right. so many other players and so many other things to look at and if the ball's not over there as well 
sure most of the players didn't even see him go down. Yeah. They weren't even paying attention. It was just uh, a couple, one or two players that noticed him and went to him immediately. So I mean, I feel right now that I have a hard time to to focus, like just to think about like uh, that one of my teammates would during a game go down like that, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, even keep playing and be that be that worried and receive a news like this man it, it, has anything it's... like this story happened to you i mean we talked about uh uh the first practice for for ddy last season but anything right. like while you were playing uh maybe probably nothing like maybe nothing exactly like this right <laughs> but nah, no no death news man thank god yeah um but i've seen a horrible like injuries Mm-hmm. and the screams ah. and uh, I, that type of things that type of fear for the, my teammates basically when will he be back or um, how is he doing basically that worry more and right. uh, one time I had uh, one time I got a ball on my face and uh, man it's horrendous once you got the ball hit in the face oh, man no but the <laughs> ball hit my face right and i could feel the letter of the ball touching my eye like i didn't have the i didn't have the reflex enough to, to close my or, yeah. eyes to block it or protect myself so i felt the ball smashing and i felt the letter hitting my eyeball like i you know i felt mm, the ball yeah. really and obviously i kind of collapsed but it didn't hurt that much my face you know I mean, you know how it is you get a ball on your face you kind of go down and then you like kind of rub yeah, it rub and you're fine right so and then when i'm laying there i'm open up my eyes and i'm realizing that i can't see on my left eye i mean i am like 15 16 years old I can't see on my eyes and at first I get like you know shock of like oh, what's going on kind of like is this I cannot can I can't see I can't do it I can't see and I cover my right eye and just keep my left eye open and it's just damn blurred dude mm-hmm. and the the so many thoughts going in my head that this is something permanent. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm going to be blind in one eye and I'm so young, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, if I get off the pitch, one of the uh, senior players, not sure if it was joking or not, but he's like, just go back in, man. It will go over. And I'm like shaking and crying and straight to the hospital and apparently went straight to the hospital. yeah straight yeah. to the hospital and it was apparently uh bleeding in my eye and uh, i remember for like almost three months i had three different dots that mm. i saw you know what i mean mm. so on my left eye when i looked out in the world i saw three different spots that just going right. with it and i had to put drops and um, you know that really happened? That really happened, oh. yeah. I, yeah, and with time, those uh, and with drops on my eye, those dots disappeared. But that was such a scary moment, man. Like, uh, 
you know, you think about like, damn, you know, you're so young. What about the future? What about <laughs> girls? What about reading? What about, <laughs> you know, like you have hundreds of thoughts passing by your brain. What about that reading assignment I have due tomorrow? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Why, why didn't I'd they be like? Oh, thank God, I have an excuse not to do it. <laughs> why didn't they write? I have a tooth. So I could race from school. Nah, man. <laughs> I was, I was really afraid. Yeah. Um, but it, it went over, you know. And but this type of things is like very rare, and that's why they are tragedies for everyone involved. And. Uh, we really hope that one way or another that we can somehow prevent it, but we don't know when and where these type of things will happen. Yeah. I mean, are, there is several cases among American football uh, players, uh, especially young ones that are collapsing on the field as well through dehydration or heart heart attacks and several cases like this. And, you know, quite honest, I'd never done a medical test while I was playing soccer. And I'm sure you haven't done it either while you were playing soccer, too. I don't think so. And uh, maybe that could be a question to raise. Maybe that would be something, you know? Like Actually, no, I have one time. Yeah? Yes. No, oh, maybe. Well, I can remember it. Maybe that's that was bad. But no, I do. There was one time that... Nothing that serious, but there was a little bit of worry at the time. I know where uh, I was playing game, and I think I went up for a header or something, mm -hmm. or I don't remember. But uh, I just got knocked off balance. I challenged it with a defender, and uh, I just got bumped. I didn't have balance once as I was coming down, and I came down and I hit my head on the ground. Yeah, uh, apparently pretty hard. I don't remember it being very hard. I felt fine. But everyone else, like after the game, my mom, uh, during the game, my coach, they all said we could hear this boom Oof. once my head hit the ground. Uh, I felt fine, but immediately afterwards, because they were worried, the coach subbed me off. Of course. And uh, to, yeah, 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 for yeah. a concussion and stuff. And I did get, uh, there was a field manager that was just tried to, you know. Wait, the... Did you get a concussion? No. Mm. I was fine, but the, there was the, uh, I was checked for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's a that's a strange thing too though i was ultimately fine yeah at least i think i was <laughs> um uh i was ultimately fine so so i was like okay yeah let me go back in um but then oh. there are players that aren't ultimately fine but they think they are and or even if they don't think they're that fine they just wouldn't get back in so they but even often they think they're okay yeah. So they're like, I'm fine. Let me go back in with the most sincerity. Let me go back in once really they're not fit to, to play for the rest of the Oof. game. Or something. Better be cautious and careful than yeah. take that risk. You don't even think it's a risk, but it is, right? Mm. And uh, just to tell you quick about something when it comes to heart problems and stuff. Two years ago when I did actually do a medical exam, because everybody gets in their healthcare here in US a medical examination every year and so I did one two years ago I needed that to do it and uh, I asked nurse which by the way was a Turkish nurse I asked her to do EKG and that's the how they measure your heart rhythm 
So when we did it, she came back into the room and, uh, you know, like, it has to be very hard for doctors to drop stuff like this. But she said, you know, I don't want to get you afraid or make you afraid, but your heartbeat is 45 beats per minute. All right. And a normal heartbeat is supposed to be around 75, 77. So yours is very, very low. And you should look it up. You need to check it up. And, uh, you know, my head was like, I am not fit. Like the African runners, I say African runners, like, you know, long distance runners, Mm. you know, they are so fit so they can have a low heartbeat in normal pause situation. But I am not that fit. I'm not that exercised, so I cannot have that low. So then he started a bunch of different tests, uh, running on the treadmill to see how fast my heart races. And they did like, they looked at my heart. So I saw on a device next to it, like they do when someone's going to give birth. Mm-hmm. They did the same to me, but for my heart. So, so I was literally seeing my heart beating on that device, man which was super cool. And I went to this test so many times and eventually the doctor said, no, there is nothing problem with you. You you just have 45 minutes per minute. That's normal for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, when he said that, I decided to... Yeah, exactly. And when he said it, I decided to just let it go, not to think more about it. Um, but that period when I had to go to the hospital so many times, I got an understanding of uh, the American system for healthcare and how really messed up it is and that I have to pay that much money to even check for my heart, which is the most important for my life. And I know there are so many out there that don't even have a chance to go to the hospital. So it really upsets me to know that 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 is how it is here you know what i mean like it really pisses me off really pisses me off and yet i am in a very uh blessed situation that i you know i can at least pay what i can afford to go to it you know but there's so many that can't and i just get so pissed about it (laughs) okay anyways man anyways Hoje Miguel, Chocota. Já lançamento a favor de Vitória Guimarães. O Chocé. What you're listening to now are scenes of the game on January 25th, 2004. Benfica against Vittorio de Grimares and Miklos Feher has just gone down late in the game, deep in the second half stoppage time with Benfica leading. Uh, and you can even tell just by listening to the commentators and listening to the crowd, the confusion, the 
worry, the you know, lack of understanding of what's going on. Players on the field on their knees, crying. Fair is unresponsive. Everyone's crowded around him. Um, you see him chasing a ball, and the ball goes out to throw in. And he kind of stops the guy from making the throw in and gets a yellow card. And he smiles back at the referee, backs up, and then he bends over and just falls back on his back. And immediately you can see how the players are getting in panic, in worry, and even the crowd noticed this. And the players are getting around the fair and it's players like Simao, Thiago, that a lot of people know about. Scary scenes. And just imagine the confusion of what's going on through the players' heads at the time, and the fans as well, the fans who are farther away from the pitch. They, some of them may have seen Fajera go down, some maybe not, but they just all of a sudden see this crowd of people gathering around one player wondering what's going on. It happens so fast and all of a sudden. And so much yeah. rain this, at this game too. Yeah, uh, like you said, he was acting normally. He walked by the referee, the ref gave him a yellow card for you know, slowing the game down. He understood, he had a little smile before he just, and the next second. He just, like you just said, bends over and goes down. There was a Swedish player at this game, Jerry. His name is Anders Andersson. Hmm. Yes. And uh, he was the best friend of Miklas Fair that died at this game. I know that they shared room together at away games or camps. And they even spend a lot of time together after the practices. Yes. And he was actually playing during this game. You can see him in this video. And we have reached out to Andes Andesjon to talk to him about Miklos, talk about his friend, and talk about his... Talk about this moment. Talk about this moment and what was going on through his head. So we are going to call Anders and speak with him. Hi Anders. Hiya. Um, I'm here with Kerry, my friend. Say hi. Hey, how are you doing, Anders? Hi, Kerry. How are you? Good, good. Thanks.
Anders, we really appreciate that you took your time to be on our show. Um, we I told Kerry earlier on that uh, a couple of years ago you went to a game in Oleris and you watched Benfica Fenerbahce. My twin brother was there. Do you remember that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I do remember that because we were uh, cheering for uh, Benfica, of course, and Ever not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was like two penalties in that game, and both of you had discussions about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually don't remember that, but I mean, since I've played for three years for Benfica, it's, it's very, very difficult to get that club out of your heart. Yeah. You, I, I never will, and it, it's, uh, it's an amazing club, so I will always stand up for Benfica. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Do you remember your first day at Benfica? How did that transfer go about? It was actually I, I played in uh, Blackburn Rovers mm-hmm. Premier League, but I, I didn't play that much, so I, I uh, tried my to go back to Scandinavia and play in Denmark for a couple of years, uh, and I had a really good spell there. But then my contract ended, and it was. Really not. I mean, I just waited and see what happened. And yeah. Had a few options, and all of a sudden, some my agent said, "Well, you know, Benfica wants you," <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sounds good." <laughs> and uh, and I went there to uh, to just uh, do the physicals, and my agent also said that, "Okay, so I'm gonna go there and see that everything's fine, and if it's okay, we're right, we're fine for for Benfica, but right. no one knows you're here." And I remember that so so clearly because when we came to the airport, it was like ten journalists who <laughs> came up at me and at the airport like, "So Anderson, 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 <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, no one knows." Uh, but uh, then I realized quickly that uh, Benfica is a club that is, there's so much interest in it, so yeah. they know everything because everyone wants to know about Benfica. So. They know everything, and uh, and uh, I just uh, were very shocked by the, by the massive, massive uh, media that's around that club. Right, right. One of the biggest clubs in Portugal, one of the most historical clubs in Europe. Uh, I mean, the yeah. opportunity to play competitive Champions League football. What was that like at all? I mean, I must, I must say, the first, the first month it continued like this because we had a new president, Luis Vieira still there uh, he, he just arrived at that point and uh, with so many new players a lot of stars a lot of good players like Simão Sabrosa Nuno Gomes Slavko right. Saovic who all came at the same time and and more some Brazilians Giovanni mm. good players really good players and 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 we had like three three thousand at every spectators at every every training session and, and, and they had to build because this was a before the new stadium so they had to build uh, stands for, for spectators to, mm-hmm. to be able to see and and uh, I remember one game we had a friendly game against Fiorentina because Nuno Gomez came from Fiorentina mm-hmm. and it was it was a friendly game and we had 85,000 spectators oh my so god and this was my first month yeah so it was it was crazy it was crazy and I, I didn't I didn't realize that it was such huge uh, interest in Benfica in Portugal and around the world because as you know it's one of the biggest clubs in, in the world because yeah. a lot of Portuguese who live abroad yeah you know that and, that, and I mean and 
and I didn't really know all of this, so I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, Blackburn Rovers are playing in England, you know, you get already the big attention, but this is so different. Was it almost like being yeah. in a dream while you were experiencing all of this, or was it like just, how was it? I mean, I, I went to Blackburn when I was 23 already. I played six years for Sweden. It was different times. It wasn't that normal. I mean, it's not that easy to go to go abroad. Yeah. Uh, to go go to play abroad. And and when I came to Blackburn Rovers, we had Roy Hodgson as coach. Mm. And uh, two years before I came, they won the league. So now they're in first division. But I mean, they it was a really good side. I think we were top of the table after one third of the se season. Mm. So we had a really good side, but. Still, it was in Blackburn, in Lancashire, north of England. It wasn't uh, the attention at all yeah. compared to to Benfica. I mean, in in Portugal on Monday morning, it's a football football newspaper who is uh, the most sold newspaper <laughs> in the whole country, <laughs> and it says a lot about Portugal. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's football like religion. So, really? so uh, the attention is totally different from I would say anywhere. I mean, we came, we came to Neon Neon in uh, Switzerland on pre-season, and I think there was fifteen hundred, two thousand people to to uh, who waited for us at the airport. Oh, in Switzerland. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, Switzerland. I mean, yeah, a lot of Portuguese live there, of course. But mm. I mean, still, it's uh, it was a different, totally different from anything I've experienced. Mm. I mean, I'm just curious, and I have to ask. One of my favorite aspects about. Benfica is their rivalries also with Porto and uh, Sporting Lisbon. Can you just describe yeah. the the atmosphere at those games, the opportunity to play in those games? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, for me, being being a Swede, and uh, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not born in Portugal, but since I played three years in Portugal, I actually quite dislike Porto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, after after the, yeah, Sporting as well, but. I, I, for some reason, I don't have the same feelings for sporting. I mean, of agony. I, mean, I remember the games up in Porto where our bus was uh, not destroyed, but we had stones thrown at us at all times when we came. Mm. And uh, I was I was substituted once when we played there. And and that time to save time, we have to if you're substituted and you're on the other side of the pitch from the bench, you have to go out from the pitch on that side closest to the to mm. the lines so mm. I had to go out there and around the whole half of the stadium to go to to our bench and I got so much coins and beer and right. stuff thrown at me and I mean it's really really we don't like each other that's that's for sure <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not too thrilled about there if they're successful I must say even if it's small minded um, just, I'm just curious too, um, when we have someone good like you to talk to, what would you say is the difference between a player that makes it to, you know, to Benfica or to bigger clubs than not really making it or staying in Allsvenskan or MLS? What, what do you think that small ingredients could be? Uh, yeah. of some some skill and and uh, but it, there 
quite small, small differences. I mean, in this world, it's mm. if you are if you are physically really good and and uh, you have everything, then it's all about the mentality. You need to be you need to be able to. And I learned this along the way. I mean, I was I'm quite quite nice guy, and in Sweden, it's not that competitive uh, in that sense. But I learned in England. I learned early that you need to be tough. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, and Portugal, it's definitely like that as well. And a big club like Benfica, you really need to stand up for yourself, and and uh, that's that's really important. I know everyone says, but I mean, if you have everything else, it's all about the mentality. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, let's take it into the summer of two thousand three. Uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but that's once the new stadium opened up. Correct, the new Estadio de Luz. Yeah. Uh, was there just some yeah. nice optimism going around the club at the time? This beautiful new stadium going into the season. Yeah, it was really, but I mean, at the same time, it was quite different. Uh, it was still changing. The club was still changing after years of more or less chaos because they've changed presidents every other year, and uh, mm. it's been uh, the club was not as stable at all as it is now. And I mean, it was different times we we hadn't won the league for a few years Porto with Mourinho was really strong they won the, the Euro League and then they yeah. won the Champions League as well at that time so right. they were strong as hell so uh, it was it was uh, I think the the new stadium everything was uh, people were really uh, amazed by that but also also a little bit nervous about mm. Situation of the the league and stuff. Anders, um, we really appreciate you on the show, and we curious about Miklos Fair, your really good friend. Mm. Can you please yeah. tell us how he was like? Uh, how he was like? Yeah. He, he was young and alive and, uh, and uh, funny. that game what was the what was the circumstances in the league like what were it was a away game at Guimaraes correct yeah we were Guimaraes up in north Mm. and uh, we stayed at uh, actually I actually will tell you something strange because we stayed at a hotel like I said we saw a film the film was uh, uh, with Michael J. Fox where he this this, I find this a little bit Spooky because in the film he dies in an, or he has a car accident mm-hmm. and he dies and, and but he comes back to life and uh, after that he can see uh, it was a black comedy mm-hmm. he could see like uh, he could see death coming mm-hmm. before um, before and people died around death and he can say he could see when people died and and they died because death stopped their heart with his hand. And uh, it makes me shiver now to yeah. talk about it. But this, this happened. This, this film 
them we saw in the afternoon before Mickey's uh, heart was stopped. So um, it was really, really, really Spooky, scary. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and it rained, and it rained, uh, it rained like hell. Yeah. So um, I remember he. I remember we. I was not far away from him, and he. I don't think he's been. On, he had been on the pitch for long because he was substituted on, and, and he had a throw-in where he didn't. I think he threw away the ball and he got a yellow card, a booking, and he laughed a little bit about that, and then he he just fell down. And um, yeah, and uh, I have uh, I had an uh, an old teammate, Stolle Sulbakken, Norwegian guy who played in Denmark, and he's a coach of FC Copenhagen, mm. who actually uh, a few months earlier had uh, fallen down on the training pitch and. His heart stopped for six minutes, but they they could uh, bring him back to life, and he's well and healthy after that. But since I knew that, and uh, they said at the time that okay, six minutes is a lot, so uh, mm. this you were lucky. And Mickey was on the floor for I think 14 minutes. Oh my god! So I realized, uh, and they couldn't they couldn't use the you know those defibrillator or what they yeah. call the. Yeah, yeah. Because it was raining too much, so they couldn't use it. Ah, so uh, I see. it was it was horrible. It was horrible, and but we we didn't know what, if if he would have been okay after after he went to the with the ambulance to to the hospital. But I, I like I said, I I knew it wasn't look, it didn't look good. I mean, we earlier on this episode, me and Kerry actually watch the videos and we get really touched and it's uh, crazy you know see everyone so fast reacting and understanding what's going on Mm. and uh, yeah yeah just that fear that comes over you um i cannot even imagine i don't want to imagine it um but uh, uh, but her f- his family uh, did they have kids yeah. how how did they get the no uh, it, it was surreal it was surreal for all of us of course and I, I remember we, uh, his his girlfriend called me from uh, from Hungary because she was there I think mm. and that I've seen the game and she was uh, of course worried like hell and she called me and I said no he's at the hospital and I think they said he's okay but I mean like I said I knew that he wasn't yeah. well they, I, I didn't say he was okay but they say he's, he's uh, breathing at least or something because that was someone said but but uh, she was she was so so scared and so sad and I mean I, I remember we I, we just kicked at things and were so in shock in the dressing room before mm-hmm. we went to the hospital and, and um, that's a tough was, that's uh, a tough phone really, call really. and then we but we went to the hospital and then we they said the doctor said well there's nothing you can do here we just have to wait and see if we can what happens and then they called us after like an hour in the bus and, mm-hmm. and just told us that he didn't make it so it was yeah I haven't, I haven't talked about it in a long while it's uh I, I I can feel uh, the pain, and it was it was uh, it was fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, it must be a tough tough subject to, to bring up. Um, during yeah. the at the end of the game, it was it was late in the game. It was deep in stoppage time. Yeah. Did the the referee just sort of end it there? Did he 
finish playing? Must yeah, have I, I, I remember. I, I remember. I like shouted at them for fuck's sake. You, we can't. We can't play on. This is. Right. This is. Just you have to stop the game. And he said, "Well, there's one minute left. We we'll just start the game." And I don't. I, as I recall, we didn't play. Yeah. yeah. He just <laughs> he just started it, and and we just stood there or something. I, I can't really remember, but I think. It was like we have to, we have to do, start it to get it finished. But uh, so that was happening. Uh, it was happening. I mean, it's. But I don't think I played. I think I went out. I think I didn't. Uh, I don't remember really. But I think I right. walked out of the state of the pitch. Actually, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, it's yeah. it's so scary that it can happen all of a sudden, man. Did, what did the doctors say? That did they find any cause? No, that was that was the that was the strange thing. But I mean, as you probably remember, maybe talked about before, it that uh, ha- it happened at that time. Yeah. It happened uh, in in various places. I think three or four uh, football players actually died of the same thing, and they couldn't really. And I think there was a Danish documentary who said that the common thing these people, these players had, was that they had been injured and they had. Uh, Voltaren or Diclofenac, painkillers. So they said that's the common thing. It might be had something to do with that, but I, I have no idea. And yeah. just uh, as I and I also remember one thing. It was like Benfica, the club was uh, amazing at that time. They they just said nothing else matters. We stop everything, uh, and we they had chartered a plane to to. Hungary and we went I think more than 100 of us from the club down to the funeral mm. and uh, it was mm. really nice That's going there and saying goodbye but, but uh, so Benfica has always been I mean a club with a big heart yeah it's yeah. a class act for sure um, yeah. we I never had anyone close to me losing and um, I cannot even know what to do if that would happen but like how do you how do you move on man how do you kind of go forward it was actually for me it was in in a way it was good that i i didn't i didn't play regularly at the time and i have asked them because we had a euro coming up euro 2004 in um, portugal yeah and i i played for sweden and i if i if i didn't play regularly week out week in and week out I, I maybe didn't wouldn't get picked for the for the squad and I really wanted to play so I asked for me to get out on loan mm-hmm. uh, to to a different country. so I went away to uh, on loan to Belenenses mm-hmm. also Lisbon and uh, so I I in that sense got away from from maybe uh, to go to the same dressing room to sit and uh, to yeah. see the empty space of the Mickey, yeah. which I did the first days, and it was horrible. It was uh, very, very difficult. So I, I thought, in that sense, I I got away good uh, to 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 get away from all those Im- images. Yeah, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, it's tough, man. Yeah. We, we, we. We greatly appreciate you coming on here and telling us this. Being so brave yeah. and talking about this, man. Really. Um, well, it's, not, it's, uh, 
it's no problem. It's uh, he's um, he's worth remembering, and yeah, he's uh, also a statue in uh, Stade Dalouche of Mickey and his clothes mm. and uh, shins and all that from from that night. So mm. people won't forget him. We won't forget him either. Uh, is we there? Won't. Would you say there are any closing words you'd have to say that you can think of for people? Uh, knew him or the people knew him or who are trying to cope with uh, losing a good friend well no it's uh, I mean uh, in, in, in that in that way it happened it's so so, so surreal and uh, shocking so, so we and the thing is like I said when a club like Benfica takes uh, puts everything on hold and, and just so we could together the whole team the whole club could mourn together I mean you, you could really feel the solidarity and the, yeah. the, the group got so strong together and we could, could uh, take build up from each other like and, and that's the thing I mean you need to don't don't isolate yourself be be with friends and, and let let uh, everyone mourn together it's better yeah. for sure yeah thank you so much Anders we really appreciate you coming on Ask Kachi King Saki Podcast Show we really, really do thanks again yep thank you so oh. much oh. thank you thank thank you Andish I remember this game between Tottenham Hotspurs and Bolton Wanderers. It was a FA Cup quarterfinal. Watching this game with DR, it was almost like the world stood still, man. Like everything was still. Mm. Um, because in the 41st minute, Fabis Mwamba fell down on the pitch. All right. And it was so sudden. And me, DR, Everybody watched this game at the spot, on TV. We all stood there and really afraid and even like started to cry because Fabius Mwamba was having distress like the commentator explains, you know. Mm. And he was having a heart attack at that field. So he was laying down and really in problem. This, this was a problem, man. Like... Everybody understands that they zoomed in, were afraid, and it was quiet. And yeah. uh, everybody eventually started to scream, Fabrice Mwamba, and support him. But mm. that type of thing basically never happens, you know what I mean? For us, right? Like watching someone having a heart attack or fighting for his life. Yeah. And now we're sitting there and watching it. You know, it was it was different. It was a, a dramatic man. It was it was tough to I watch. Mean, I mean, you can imagine the. We keep bringing this up, but it's what it is. The confusion, right, or the yeah. worry of people around stands, around the stadium, on the field, at home, uh, the commentators. They either don't know what's going on or. Or all they see is just a player go down, if they see that, and uh, several other players crowd around him. Medical staff come up. Um, it some people can panic and really, really, almost freeze. Yeah, like 
in, in confusion or in fear of what's happening or what should I do or, or uh, what's going on, what will happen. Right. Uh, luckily, that day, yeah. uh, one Dr. Andrew Diener, uh, a big Tottenham supporter, was at the game, regularly goes to games. Dr. Diener was a cardiologist right. who noticed Fabrice go down and recognized symptoms of a cardiac arrest and was able to get onto the field and assist the medical staff there at uh, White Hart Lane. And uh, they rushed him to a hospital. Apparently, his his heart stopped for around 14 minutes or so, which yeah. is weird to think wow. about. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't for the work of the medical staff at White Hart Lane, of Mr. Diener, then Fabrice Mwamba would not have survived that, that sudden heart attack. And, uh, and they gave a lot of credit to... The doctors that came in, the first ones that came in and recognized this this trouble, and they gave him immediately heart massage, so his heart could pump blood and blood could reach the brain. And um, it is crucial to do that, and that's what I think happened with, uh, unfortunately, with uh, uh, Nuri at mm, Ajax. Yeah. That he didn't get the heart massage immediately because they didn't really recognize what was going on, but I don't really want to say that conclusion because we're uh, not doctors. We're not doctors, <laughs> but it's crucial to give heart massage immediately and make sure that he doesn't swallow the tongue. And it's uh, so important to keep the defibrillator at at the scene or at the fields and uh, to be able to prevent this. And we're going to bring you the sounds from this game when this happened. So imagine that you're sitting at the spot watching this game live, or you're sitting at home watching this game, or wherever you are now that this is actually happening, and um, and hope for the best in this in this situation. to be in some distress as well Fabrice Mwamba Fizio keen to turn him on his side and the medical staff have come running on from both sides as well in fact sorry to have to say that such is Mwamba's distress as our cameras will be keeping a safe distance from it mystification among some of the players out there as to precisely what led to this. Owen Coyle asking for more details. Well, I have to say this looks increasingly serious. And one or two of the Bolton players turning away in some distress I think Owen Coyle is coming to see for himself and when he gets there he's not a 
particularly good sight awaiting him and that's rapidly been transferred that news to the crowd as well it is hazardous to guess precisely what treatment is being carried out But there have been efforts, it would seem, from our vantage point to try to resuscitate Fabrice Muamba. And this in full view of more than 30,000 spectators who are now almost silent. After you imagine what it's like to witness this, to watch these scenes, to watch a player go down, um, all, all of a sudden, to watch the crowd gather around him, it's easy to fear for his life. Um, but afterwards, imagine what it's like for this player who was brought back, who was revived, to then come back to the scene of the heart attack, the original heart attack, and and take it all in after the fact. And at the time, Fabrice Mwamba was 23 years old. A very up-and-coming yeah. player. A lot of transfer rumors and one of the key players for this Bolton team. And he had his entire career in front of him and soccer that he loved so much that we all do. And he comes back to the spot where he fell down and Gary Lineker asks him this question. Fabrice, this, uh, this is a sort of pivotal, poignant spot um, that we've stood on here. Uh, your initial thoughts on returning to this place? It doesn't get easy, you know. This is where my dream was just taken away from me. You know. I, I suppose that the emotions in many ways are, are really mixed, aren't they? Because you know, ultimately, whilst your career was taken away from you, you know, it's a miracle that you're actually here to return to the spot, isn't it? Of course, it's, it's unbelievable what has happened, and to be able to leave again and to enjoy life is great. But Oh, it's okay. All I, I want to do is to play football. Yeah. You know. But the decision was taken away from me because of what's happened. You know, but as you said, it's just one of those things in life where you just have to swallow it and move forward. But I said it. For us, soccer is almost more important than life. For fans, we dedicate our time. We have such a passion for it and love that we sometimes forget also what's the most important. And it's devastating for every soccer player out there to one day 
quit playing soccer or even not be able at all to um, kick the ball, be with your teammates, run, and not even do a warm-up or come home tired or barely even take those shots and score goals mm-hmm. and have that beautiful life on the pitch. And, you know, we are very blessed that we can do it, you know. Uh, I might have... I might be forced to quit after my eye injury to play soccer, couldn't play soccer, or other small injuries, and I didn't. So that is really a moment of uh, blessing that I, I can, you know? Um, my I see the situation that happened when our player, the first practice you came to, that it wasn't something very severe that moment is a tremendous blessing it could you know and just think about all those times where you've been in an incident or an accident or something happened and uh, or it could have been a lot worse, worse. than it ended up being yeah. so. good but. and you still he- are here with us and listening to this and it means something and uh, we are very thankful and uh, for all these different moments that we still can play. And thankful as well for all the people that are at football matches that are prepared at a moment's notice to to prevent any sort of tragedy or deal with any sort of tragedy. Uh, because without them, Fabrice Mwamba wouldn't be able to walk back on that pitch yeah. again. So many other players wouldn't be able to to either walk again or see again or throw again, whatever, or even live again. So, so thank you to to all the all the doctors, all the medical staff out there that really do their best. Any sort of security when it comes to our lives. We also want to wish that the people that we lost on the field or off the field through these circumstances uh, that their souls may rest in peace and uh, we and to offer condolences to friends and family we're happy that Fabius Mamba is alive today and we're happy that you the listener at home that you're with us as well and uh, we really appreciate that Anders decided to be on our show and tell his experience even though it was tough All of us got the chance to hear his story. Thank you for listening to the fifth preseason episode of the Oscar Jim King Soccer Podcast Show. Thank God every day that I'm alive to see you know, my mom, my fiance, my son. I'm just I'm glad I'm alive. Trust me, Adrian, I'm just glad I can be able to walk. Just to be, not anything else, just to walk freely. It gets really emotional about this sometimes because I should even be here. And I, I, I was gone already, but God, we're working stuff and it's, it's incredible.